Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Anybody? Raise your hand. You know what? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 and 10. God's power is made perfect in weakness. Whether it's being tired, whether it's hurting, sickness, affliction. Hey, remember Paul, we're going through Acts on Sunday mornings. He had been shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned, all of these things. But what he realized, the most important thing was to run faithfully with perseverance. We're so busy in our culture. These phones, the, the, the everything keeps us so busy. But God is so faithful, and God will not allow us to, if we are doing what he wants us to do, God's not going to let us fall down. God's going to give us the strength we need to finish what he's called us to do. So my statement then is, if you don't have the strength to do what God has called you to do, are you doing what God's called you to do? Amen? Something to think about tonight. As a matter of fact, the title of tonight's message is this thing that God laid in my heart. It's four parts. The heart of the matter. I'm not referencing the, what is it, Don Henley song from the 80s. If you remember uh, who Don Henley was, it's actually a good, a good song. It was called The Heart of the Matter, but I didn't, it, that didn't have anything to do with that. But it did uh, ring in my mind as I, I thought about uh, what God had laid on my heart. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to start out tonight with verse 22 and 23 and this is such a huge i love second timothy i'll be honest with you second timothy can can rip you in every way spiritually in the conviction aspect in the encouragement aspect second timothy chapter four is almost it's literally tell of our culture's condition right now so there's so much to be gleaned from these scriptures but the title of this chapter is usually if many of you if your bible titles it it's usually be strong in the grace or strong in grace. Uh, remember what grace is. God's unmerited favor. Amen? God's unmerited favor. What is grace? It's God's unmerited favor. What is his unmerited favor? Let me tell you what it is. We did not deserve the righteousness of Christ imputed, given to us. We, not one of us in here deserves it. You know what's so awesome about this, though? God's grace, he gives us what we don't deserve. His unmerited, he favors us as his children. The very people who've taken part in killing his son, because each one of us, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we take part in the death of Christ. That's why we celebrate, when we celebrate communion, we're celebrating the fact and remembering what Jesus did for us. We take part in Jesus' death as followers of Christ. And it still completely overwhelmed me. I was talking with a patient yesterday afternoon about it. His family was there. And we were talking about he had been caught in a cult many years ago. And his daughter's a believer in the family. And uh, just trying to help undo some of those things that he had been ingrained in this movement that was an anti-Christ movement. Uh, it did not believe that Christ Jesus was the Messiah. And it's just so sad because it robs those, those anti-Christ religions or cults, what they do is rob you of the freedom of living in the righteousness of Christ for salvation. 
And what does every other one, those cults, religions, whatever you want to call them, what do they all have in common? It's this. You're working for a chance at some reward. You know what I'm so excited for tonight? That it is by grace that I have been saved and you have been saved through faith. What is faith? Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews chapter 11. What do we know? That it is the righteousness of Christ. We are well aware that we're not going to stand before God and, and hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because we were worthy. We know we aren't. On our best day, as Paul says, what? Our righteousness is as filthy rags. But the righteousness of Christ that Jesus gives us is a robe that in essence shields us from the wrath of God, the judgment of God. And we are given that, that covering. We are sheltered under the cleft of his wing, not because we deserve it, but because God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die in our place. And if that doesn't make you excited tonight, and that's not a truth that makes you want to jump up and shout and run all over here, I'm going to be honest with you, I have nothing else for you. Amen? I'm not giving out hot dogs and cotton candy and, and uh, gas cars tonight because I want you to fall in love with Jesus because when you do, it will change your life. When you get in God's word and you thirst for the truth of God's word and you dig and what seek him with all your heart, Scripture says he will be found. And I hope tonight, if you're not seeking him, I say this, and I know it sounds rather redundant, rather repetitive, how often I'm pushing you, please get one of the cards I have. Read through the Bible every year. Read through the Bible. The greatest challenge I'll ever give to you because what I know is you will be transformed. You're going to be transformed, not because you have one of my cards, not because you went from cover to cover and said that you did it. No, you're going to do it because God's Word does the work. And God's Word speaks to every problem, every issue, every heartache, every hurt. And he says, what did I say on Sunday morning again? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And the promise of Scripture says, I will give you rest. So I hope this uh, beginning of this study tonight, the series we're going to do, The Heart of the Matter, encourages you. I encourage you to take notes. They'll be up on the screen. Uh, we hopefully, Lord willing, we won't have any more trouble with the screen. Uh, if not, remember, revert to turning around and looking at that screen if the other ones have any kind of trouble. But we're not foreseeing that happening tonight. And I pray, though, that as we spend the next few minutes together in God's Word, that you are allowing the Spirit, pray that the Spirit would give you discernment, give you wisdom, give you insight into how God wants to use this in our lives. Every one of us are at a different place. We've got them from literally almost the cradle to just about headed to glory. You know what the beauty is? God is working each and every one of us as that salvation process occurs. We go straight into the sanctification process that is the place we are in until the day that we breathe our last breath. What happens? That's graduation day. That's when we go to what's considered glorification. When you hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest, you are going to know the reality of what it is like to do what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden, and that is to fellowship, to walk with God. And I hope you're excited about that, and I hope that you are digging in God's word, that you're delighting yourself in him because the Bible says he will give you the desire of your heart. And if your desire is to get in his word and to seek after him, he's going to give you more of himself. And I know that that's God's word. It's truth, and I rest on every single word of it because, brothers and sisters, I have nothing to go back to. Hope you found 2 Timothy chapter 2.
Again, we're going to look at verses 22 and 23. And if you're able physically tonight, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. Flee from the youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with all those who call the Lord on the Lord from a pure heart. But rejoice or reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. Father God, thank you, Lord, tonight for this privilege we have to be together, Lord, as the body of Christ. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would speak to the needs, the struggles, the battles, the hurts, the heartaches. God, we know that you are so ever faithful, Lord, and we know that you will do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Father, let your Holy Spirit minister in ways that we cannot begin to comprehend or understand, Lord. And more, we give you all the glory, the praise, the dominion, and honor. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Powerful word. Flee from the youthful passions. What is the heart of the matter? The heart of the matter is that we're battling the old nature. How often have I shared with you the importance, and, I, and I, it seems like a rather trivial analogy, but we're feeding a nature 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have the, the God nature, the nature we have received as followers of Jesus Christ. We have been made alive in Christ, but we're still battling this sin nature, isn't it? We're battling this sin nature. We're going to battle this until when? The day we receive the trophy, in essence, of glorification. Is anybody going to say tonight, you know what? Battling that sin nature, man, it's nothing. It's just, it's no big deal. I don't, I don't have troubles with battling that. And, you know, temptation's not anything that I deal with. Anybody, please raise your hand if you, if you don't have any of those issues. Okay, praise God. We're, uh, we're normal followers of Christ in here, amen? Scripture talks about take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. What are we well aware of? Now, we're not going to wake up in the morning. That's why I've never liked that bumper sticker. I'm not perfect, just forgiven. I don't like that. And if you have one, that's, that's between you and the Lord. The reason I don't like that bumper sticker is... What that bumper sticker in essence says is, you know what, I'm going to sin today, I'm going to do it, and then, you know what, I'm just so thankful that I'm just forgiven. Scripture talks about us continually conforming into what? The likeness of Christ. The likeness of Christ to me would not be yielding my body as an instrument for unrighteousness. Now, let me tell you what I say when I wake up in the morning. Not, I'm a sinner and I can't help it, I'm just, uh, no, I say, Lord, I want to be sinless. And that's a prayer. God, I want to be sinless. I want to live. I want to be conformed. I want to be made holy in his presence. Do I realize that there might be, do I recognize the fact that that I may fall into temptation? Uh, Remember what falling into sin is? It's not something you went, oh, yep, I'm going to go sin, and you walk into it. No, that's why I like the statement, falling. Because when you fall, did you intend to fall? No, it was something that caught you off guard. Very important because if you go into it with malice or forethought, it's like, oh, you know what, temptation. Wow, I like that. I'm going to cultivate that. I'm going to dwell on that. Then I'm going to go and act on it. 
or you're doing that with malice of forethought. You're, you're thinking about that in, in earnest and in haste. You do this dwelling on this as opposed to, you know what? I was sitting there having a conversation with them and I said something I never should. I don't know where that came from. It was something that you fell into. It wasn't a, a matter of the heart right there. It wasn't something that you had been cultivating and growing. It was something that caught you off guard. So as followers of Christ, my belief, and this is mine, you might disagree with me, but I give spiritual backing for what I'm saying to you. I want to wake up every morning and I want to be more and greater conformed into the likeness of Christ Jesus. I want to be holy because God is holy. I don't want to yield my members to, I don't want to yield my my body, my hands, my feet, my mind, my eyes, my ears as, well, I just can't help it because I'm a sinner. No, I know that we are under the power as a follower of Jesus Christ, under the, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is awesome, amen? The Holy Spirit can give us the power over sin completely. Why do we know that? Because what was Jesus indwelt by? The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, didn't it? So the Holy Spirit of God dwelt within Christ, giving him the power over sin. We see Jesus doing what? Tempted in all ways like us, but he didn't yield to it. Well, you mean, you, you, really, we can get victory over sin? Absolutely we can. There's an issue. What are we feeding? Are we feeding the sin nature? You can't tell me you want to walk in victory, and if you're feeding the sin nature, you're feeding compromise, you're feeding apathy, you're feeding indifference. You wonder what's going to be the stronger nature? The one you've been feeding, the sin nature. But when you're filling the spirit nature daily to overflowing and you're armoring yourself in, in this, the full armor of God, when you're putting on the full armor of God, you're able to stand against all. And, and what, is that, what does it say? With the shield of faith, we can extinguish how many? All the flaming arrows of the enemy. It says that, so I believe it. So when we fall into temptation and we ended up yielding our members to the foolishness that this is relating, don't blame it on. I've heard some sad things in my lifetime. Anybody ever heard that? I just wish God hadn't tempted me. What? I just wish God, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Don't blame it on the Lord. You blame it on yourself. Because it's our passions, our desires, and our compromise that brings us to that place where we fall under not only temptation, but also into sin. And it's a matter of the heart. No, it's just my mind. I can't help. No, no, no. It's a matter of the heart. Because the matter of the heart are the matters of eternity. The matters of the heart as followers of Jesus Christ. That's why Scripture talks continually about heart. The heart's a very important thing. And out of the wellspring of the heart, where is one of the wellsprings of the heart? The mouth. Somebody said yesterday, you know, man, I just, I'll just start throwing them left and right. I just, I just don't realize it. And I said, brother, you need to really step back and have a serious conversation with yourself because I remember those days when that's all that flew out of my mouth, but I was not yielding my members as a follower of Jesus Christ and as a, a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've got all that stuff flowing out, we need to do an introspective look at the heart. Because the heart of the matter is what's coming out of the mouth is originating in the heart. 
Very important for us to get to the heart of the matter. And the first thing that I want to share with you out of uh, the first part of 22 again. So again, it says, flee from the youthful passions. You ready? And this is where we get to. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And we'll stop there just a second. And I want to share this with you. When we desire righteousness, faith, love, and peace, we find the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is the thing that God cares about more than anything. And we know that God cares about us being righteous, the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, living in that righteousness, faith, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, love, the love of God, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts in Christ Jesus. So we know that those are literally parts of the fruit as a follower of Jesus Christ, literally part of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, right? We know that this, this is attitudes and actions that followers of Jesus Christ should be pursuing. And when we desire these things, what are we doing? We're finding the heart of the matter, the heart of God, the heart of the things that God cares about for his people. We have to delight ourselves in him. And that is not a process that happens well, I spend five minutes a day doing this, and, or let's say 20 minutes a day, and my, I delight myself in the Lord, and then I go on with life. Well, no, first of all, you've already stepped outside of what Scripture calls us to do, because Scripture says to pray without ceasing. It doesn't say pray during your devotion time or when you fellowship, and then when you get done, go back to live in your life. No, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. And by the way, when it says that, it's like that song from Keith Green, make my life a prayer to you. I want to do what you want me to. No empty words, no white lies, no token prayers, no compromise. I want to shine the light you gave through your son you sent to save us from ourselves and our despair. It comforts me to know you're really there. So I want to die and let you give your life to me so I might live and share the hope you gave to me. I want to share the love that set me free. I know the words of those songs because they mean so much to me. It is making my life a prayer is what I've desired to do since September 20th of 2004. I've wanted to get to the heart of matter because I realized as I shared with you Sunday and I've shared so many times in the last 15 plus years at Longview Baptist Church, I have nothing to go back to. I have nothing. Well, what do you mean, Brother Jonathan? I don't have anything in my former life as a lost person. I don't want to go back to alcohol. I don't want to go back to living for myself and living of myself and living in my strength and in my wisdom. I have nothing in that old life to go back to or that lifestyle. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would give up everything if I went back to who I was. And I recognize when Scripture says how dangerous it is, it's better not to know the way of righteousness than to know the way of righteousness and turn your back on the sacred command that was passed down to you. I know. Why do I know that? Because I also know when Scripture talks about the house being swept clean, when Jesus, right, talking about that parable, the house that swept clean. I preached that just a few months ago. Remember what happens? So demons go to arid places seeking rest. It says they come back and find their house unoccupied. Remember that? The title deed transfer that has to happen in a true transforming work of God. When the title deed has been transferred, if there had been a filling of the Holy Spirit, a transaction had occurred, they could not have come back and found their home 
They would have found a home occupied by the Holy Spirit with which the demonic forces would have had no ability to reacclimate themselves to because light and darkness hath no fellowship. Amen? And once you're full of light, I can promise you one thing. It dispels the darkness. So that's what's so exciting and encouraging. When you look at God's Word, man, it answers every question. It literally opens every door as you think about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And you, you live your life like that. And you pray without ceasing. And you don't live with your life and your feelings on your shoulder. And everything offends you and the world. You see how it is. Everybody is all stirred up and wore out and tore up and burn up about everything. Everybody's mad at everybody else. And most people can't even tell you why. Well, that's a ploy from the enemy. You want to know the fastest way to destroy some work of God, the ministry, your life, my life, every relationship, your marriage? All you got to do is let them. A house divided, Scripture says, will surely You don't have to worry about the attacks most often, sadly, from the external destroying churches and people. We do a good enough job destroying ourselves. We let some foolishness because, oh, the preacher didn't shake my hand or, you know, sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. You know, they didn't look at me or they looked at my dress and I think they didn't like my dress and they this and they and they run around and the next thing you know, you've got yourself worked up and you know what you end up finding out? You get mad, you leave and then you find out down the road, there was nothing in the first place. I shared this a, a few months ago, but I was doing a revival over at a church on the other end of the county, and a, a person came up to me that was doing music that night and said, I need to talk to you, and went back in the room and said, hey, I've been mad at you for 10 years, and I need your forgiveness. And I, uh, I, I, I don't remember what had happened. I, don't even, I had no recollection at all. And I said, I don't even, I said, you are forgiven. And I just grabbed them and hugged them and, and they wept. I mean, they wept like a child. But they had been under bondage because of something they had been, and they said they realized that it was nothing. It was from the devil. But it took them years to not only recognize that, but then to come and ask for forgiveness because of this anger that they had harbored towards me that was of zero basis, they said. Again, I, I still to this day could not ever remember what in the world that they had gotten upset about. And it, it didn't matter. I had to let it go, whatever it was. But it's sad because this person had been taken in captive in bondage. Remember what the parable, the rich man, remember that? Or not rich, the, the king and the poor man. Remember, he owed a lifetime of debt to the king, the parable of the unmerciful servant. And he owed a lifetime of debt. And the king says, I want my money. And the guy goes and weeps. He's getting, ready to, he's getting ready to basically sell him an indentured servitude. And the guy begs him for mercy. The king finally says, listen, I'll forgive every bit of it. He leaves his presence, goes out, finds a person that owes him one day's wage. One day. Meaning, someone had hurt his feelings. Someone had offended him. That's, that's what, in essence, that is. Because Jesus has forgiven us a lifetime of sin. It's not actual financial, but that's just a parable. So this man comes out and finds someone who had offended him, basically. He grabs him and says, you owe me. You, you owe me. I want my money. Guess who hears about it? The one who had just forgiven him a lifetime of debt. Brings him back in and said, you fool. I forgave you a lifetime of debt. He turned him over, sold his possessions, turned him over to the tormentors, it says, until every penny was paid. 
He says, that'll happen to you if you do not forgive from your heart. Church, you know what the heart of the matter is? The enemy's really good at doing what he does and turning us against ourselves and each other. And we've got to, we've got to protect and guard your hearts. You've got to forgive from your hearts because, hey, it, it doesn't get as easy as this, the basic premise of the Lord's Prayer. Ready? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, forgive me to the extent that I forgive others. That one always resonates with me. Because I know these people have hurt me in my lifetime bad. I've had people who, who've harmed me and hurt me big time. And you want to hang on to that. And you want to, in essence, cultivate that. And they owe me. I'll forgive them when they apologize to me. No, that's, the Scripture's not talking about that. Scripture's saying you forgive them if you never get that apology. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is basically separate like Jesus. Separate as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. So when you forgive someone, you forget it. Just like I told you about a person that had asked for forgiveness one time and then walked in the next time I saw them and said, I'm so, I said, what, what are you talking about? You know, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, that, that, I said, stop. I don't know what you're talking about. And they finally went, oh. They realized that what I had done is truly forgiven them. That's what forgiveness, but see, that's when you get to the heart of the matter, when you're doing what the Scripture calls you to and living in the way that Scripture calls us to as followers of Jesus Christ. What? Desiring righteousness, faith, love, peace. Because that is the place that God has designed us to function in. What does the enemy want us to do? He wants us to run around half-cocked. He wants us angry, bitter, resentful, grumbling, miserable, so that when someone sees you, instead of going, hey, i got a question for you. Why do you have so much joy on your face? Why do you smile all the time? Somebody said that to me a week ago on Tuesday, Monday. They said, why are you so happy? I said, thank you. I'll tell you why. It's not because of the way I feel inside. I said, I'm happy because the joy of the Lord is my strength and my happiness does not emanate. It doesn't start in the way that my body feels because if I showed you what I felt like inside, you'd run. And I told him that. And I said, it's the truth. Someone asked me Tuesday again. Sorry, it happened again yesterday. I was walking in another place and they said, why are you so happy? And there was a bunch of people there. And I just started right there and said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's your verse for the day, I told them. But that's the thing about it. If I was, and I told them, if you saw what I felt like at that moment inside physically, I said, you would not want to be around me. And I said, it's a whole lot easier for me to project what my spiritual man feels like right now than what my physical man does. And I'm going to live and be separated from the physical afflictions because I realize that those are momentary. But I said, the spiritual man that's inside has joy eternal. And I'm just going to tell you what it did. They silenced them. It completely silenced them. But that's what we have to do because if not, what happens? Is anybody ever going to ask you, hey, what's different about you? 
Well, maybe you'll say, well, I'm not a happy, you know, I'm just not one of those kind of people that gets happy. Learn to. I'm not kidding. You can do it. You might be the most wretched individual that God ever stuck two legs on. I'm even referring, remember, there's people watching online, so I'm not talking about you here. There's somebody out there I know that's grimacing at the, the computer right now. You might be the most miserably unhappy person in the world, but I'm going to tell you the scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength, so what are you going to do? You're going to live in that misery or you're going to live in the joy? Because I will promise you, you will get a much better return on your investment if you reside in the joy of the Lord being your strength. And when you wake up every morning and you're focused on the eternal, it is amazing. It's just like that old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Amen? That's what I'm talking about when uh, I think it was Brother Tim or somebody years ago talked about that analogy of the steeple and why I love referencing that because actually it was Mike Glenn from uh, Brentwood Baptist Church that was here doing the revival years and years ago. And he said, you know, when, you're, when they're putting the steeple on Brentwood Baptist Church, it's huge, it's massive. It doesn't look like that when you pass it. You're like, oh, that little steeple looks like it's 15 feet high. No, he says it's like 60 feet high. It's big. And when you're standing at the bottom of it, that little cross up on the top, he said, it's just so small. He said, but when they laid it down and you walked up next to it, that cross was massive. See, when we come to Christ, we're at the bottom of that steeple, right? We feel pretty big. And the cross is kind of small up there. But as we grow in Christ, you know what happens? We decrease and he increases. So as we get closer in our walk with him, we realize how small we are. And if you ever notice right there at the top where that cross happens, it almost completely disappears from the look. And yet then you are there in his glory. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. See, this thing God's laid on my heart about the heart of the matter, this is what's so important with all of us. As we step back and do this introspective look over the next four weeks, after the night, three weeks, and step back and just say, hey, use that, that hymn in, that, in your mind right now. Think about that. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Maybe right now you got your eyes on Jesus, but you got one eye looking at him and you got, you're over here. You got your split affections right now. You cannot serve God money. You can't have two masters you can't serve people and serve God. You've got to serve him, number one. In that flow chart that I talk about a lot, he has to always be preeminent. Unumero uno, number one. He has to be everything. And everything will flow out and perfectly after that. Remember, God, family, and then everything else goes past that. If you get any one of those out of order, everything's going to be what? The heart of the matter, you end up putting yourself in revelation with church you can do all the good works in the world, but if it's not spurred out of a heart that loves the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, what do you have? You have nothing. You have, absolute, you have a person that is wasting their time doing works that have zero merit. Matter of fact, we look at the Pharisees. What are your whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones? I don't want to live in that. Why do I reference continually how I'm Deadly religion is, because it is. It's so deadly, church, quote-unquote church, is deadly. You're not here with a heart that loves the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. It's deadly because you can fall into religion, and religion is extremely appealing if you're a structured person. Very, very appealing. But I'll tell you what, when you fall in love with Jesus Christ, what happens 
you take part in the fellowship of the body of Christ. You become part of the, the body of Christ. You experience it the way it's supposed to be experienced. You don't fall in love with church or religion. No, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that's preeminent. And everything you do is an outflow out of the relationship, the love, and the passion you have for the God that you realize saved you, redeemed you, cleansed you, has a plan and has a purpose for your life. Now, second part of verse 22. Here we are. So we got, along with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Here you are, number two. A pure heart is a heart after the Lord's heart. Pure heart is a heart after the Lord's heart. I'm going to spend the least amount of time on that one right there because you really understand that after you go out of that first, that progression there. A heart after the Lord is a pure heart. Let me tell you what, if you are praying without ceasing, ready? You are in God's word, you are armored up, and you are praying without ceasing. Why don't you tell me how in the world there's going to be any ability for the enemy to squat on any of the spiritual real estate in your brain? Can't do it. You can't do it. If you have yielded yourself and your members to Christ, and you are delighting yourself in him, and you are meditating on the word, and you have burned it on your heart, and you are spending copious amounts of time spiritually as the word calls us to do in his word, in prayer, in fellowship, delighting yourself in him, tell me when you have the ability to even worry. Because remember when I talked, shared with how Dan Brown told me about praying, you know, Lord, you are the Almighty, the B, you're beautiful, right? C, you are the Christ child. D, you are my deliverer. You, all right, so you spend your days in an incessant prayer of absolute passion, purpose with a plan. As you're walking, don't have to get in your prayer closet to do it. You can walk, you can drive, you can do your job and pray without ceasing. Tell me how you can worry when you're doing that. Tell me. You can't do it. You can't, I promise you. The only way you can do it is to pause the prayer and allow Satan, come on in for a little bit. And that's what we do. We invite him in to our minds when we pause the spiritual feeding that we're supposed to be doing and should continue doing. We pause that feeding and then we start thinking as you get that letter in the mail from that bill, maybe that you think you, instead of just saying and grabbing that thing and putting it on the ground and, and laying on top of it and saying, God, I commit this bill to you. God, I don't have a clue where it's going to come from. I'm not going to rob you to try to pay it. I'm going to do exactly with what you've given me and blessed me with. I'm going to be faithful. And God, you have dominion over this. I'm talking about having you a spiritual warfare battle in your living room floor when you get that bill. But happens, this, you open it up. <laughs> Oh, I can't believe that they're going to do this. Oh, I don't know where I'm going to pay for this from. Uh, what am I going to do? We'll be destroyed. Lose the house. You see what you just did? You just said, God, I'll be back. I got business I got to take care of. And you walked right on into the old enemy's realm and that trap that was set so beautifully, you were living in complete victory until the enemy sent that temptation and said, hey, come over here and worry about this for a little bit. Stop messing around with that spiritual man. You fed that a little too much today. Why don't you feed me some? Instead of saying, get thee behind me in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I rebuke you. No, you said, hey, hold on, Lord, I'll be back. So what you did is walked right out of that blessing, 
and right into the misery of worry and fear and all of those things. And remember, sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. That's the only thing it'll give you. It has never given us anything that Satan's promised all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Satan said, did God really say? Did God really say what he tells her? It was a lie. And that lie is when we open that, that envelope or that person comes to you or whatever it is in all the forms that the enemy masquerades as. You were walking in victory until that moment. You were walking in the faith knowing that God will never leave you, never forsake you. He says explicitly, I will provide all your needs according to my glorious riches in Christ. What's changed? Instead of defaulting to that fear, that worry, and that law of diminishing returns actions, stop doing that. Pray that and start tonight. God, when I get that letter, when I get that phone call, God, I want to stay so glued and so focused on you. I literally go to spiritual war in my spiritual prayer war room or whatever it might be. God, I will not allow. I am not going to have a heart that's after anything but you, God. And Lord, do what Job said. Though you slay me, yet I'll trust you. Tell him that. Get honest with God. You think God's going to say, what's wrong with you? You're getting a little too passionate about me. It's not going to happen, is it? I can honestly tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, though, God will meet you right where you are because what you're saying is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, is your, hey, his power is made perfect in weakness. God, I don't know what I'm going to do about this right here, Lord. You know every dollar has a name in my home, and Lord, I just got this, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And that's where you just get in there and you just say, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, you will meet these needs. And I'm not going to fear. God, if I lose everything in my lifetime, I know you're not going anywhere, Father. And I will live in a tent and glorify you. But I will not allow the enemy to steal what he has no right to take. He has no right to take it, and I'm not going to give it to him. The same way that when we walk out of the house and we have that smug face of worry and fear and shame or whatever it is, all we're doing is giving him something that he has no right to. The only way he gets it is if we give it to him. And brothers and sisters, if anything else, we've got to stop lending Satan what he has no right or dominion over. We need to take back captive our joy and our peace and our hope. And what happens when you get those people that want to come and naysay like those people say to me? Why are you so happy? You just jump in the spirit, be kind, be compassionate and be loving when you do it. But man, just start throwing them scripture because I promise you, you will be able to stand firm in it. But I know for a fact that there's a person right now that's smiling that I never saw smile the first time they said that to me, been about three months ago. When I see them now, they've got a 10,000 watt smile on their face. They never said a word to me about you made a big impact on my life, but I see it now on their face. They've never said again, why are you so happy? This person, now every time I see them, has a, as a matter of fact, when I came in Monday, said, hey, how was your vacation? With a big, huge smile. We can make an impact. But the question is, church, what impact are we making on the people around us tonight? We can make excuses 
Well, you know, I'm this, and I'll give you every excuse in the world about pain and how it affects you. I know. Don't, you, you're not telling me anything. Don't tell me. I know. Don't tell me that you're, oh, my, you just don't know my situation. Don't, come on, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Now, is it easy? No. Y'all were here when, it, when December 9th happened. You were here when the month before happened with this in the hospital. No, there's nothing easy about it. But I know that either God is real and God is faithful or God's a liar. And church, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that second one's not true. God is not a liar. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is faithful, and he will always be faithful. He never stopped. He never will stop. And God's not going to start lying right now because of me. And he's not going to start lying because of you. And that's a great comfort tonight, especially in light of all the things that we face on daily basis. But tonight, what's the heart of the matter? Where are you at? And then we'll finish up verse 23, and we're done. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. Third and final thing, foolish and ignorant disputes arise from a heart led by the selfish pride of life. Well, you know, when we, we're going to be a rapture one day, and I mean, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen this way, and it's going to be this, and they're going to do, just keep talking. Why don't you just actually pan millennial? It's going to pan out. It's going to happen. We can read the scripture. I can give you a position for premillennial, mid-trip. I can give you a position for all of them. I can. I think it's wonderful. It doesn't matter. We'll find out at the same time. Don't fight about it. Don't. I, there's churches split over at church. They do. People fight over this stuff. The same way they fight over church robes and the color of the walls. You can paint them purple. I don't give two flips. As long as we're worshiping Jesus, I don't care. We can strip the carpet out and be on plywood like my house is. Make me feel like I'm at home. Praise God. Amen? I feel like we're back in the olden days. Let's strip the, the, the comfort off the pews too like in the old church in the back there with them nice back wood, huh? Remember those? Didn't fall asleep easy on those, did you? Amen. Hey, let's get it like it used to be. Let's put women on one side, men on the others, and a big thing in between them so you can't look at each other. Hey, girl. Huh? I mean, I, like I'm saying, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that God is glorified. I'm not worried about some foolish and ignorant disputes I told Longview when I came here. Listen, um, those of you who are in the pulpit committee meeting remember me saying this. If y'all ever decide that you don't want what I am, you're not going to hurt my feelings. All you need to do is tell me. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to split the church. I said, when it's time for me to go, I will not have to be pulled out of here like some kind of person. You have to get a court order to get them out of here. I want to be here and in one heart, one spirit. If Longview gets to where it's not like that and you guys decide that you don't want to follow the full counsel of God's word, it's not any heartbreak to me. We'll leave on good terms. But I'm here because I love the Lord and I want to do God's work. God has led me here. This is why I want to be here. You know what I'm so thankful? On a Wednesday night at this church, look at the number of people here. I know we got a number of people sick right now. I know even Jessica's got COVID right now. A lot of people are sick right now. And you know what? Look at the number of people that we have on a Wednesday night. You know how many nights on Wednesday nights we have this, like this number or more people? It, it's, an, it's a praise God, glory, hallelujah. Because remember, Sunday mornings you love church. Sunday nights you love the preacher. And Wednesday nights you love Jesus. 
That's that old saying that people say. You're not here because you're doing a check mark and glory of God. It's here on Wednesday night. Now, God, you're going to love me more. No, you're here because you love Jesus, I hope. I hope you're here because you're thankful for the ecclesia, this body of Christ that God has blessed us with. And as you're growing in Christ, you realize that you're the instruments of the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Christ. And by the way, if you're not there, hey, it's good to see you. Let me, oh, sorry, I can't because I don't have an arm. When you're not here, church, when I'm not here, the part of the body of Christ, the vital function that we are a part of is not able to be done. But see, we can get in that selfish mindset. Well, you know, I'm doing pretty good right now. You know, I, I just don't need Wednesdays myself right now. Oh, what about the other people that are encouraged by you? What about praying for somebody that you see as you go up to them and you can kind of tell if you have one of those people that you have a, an empath personality and you can feel that something's not right, a dis- gift of discernment? You know, you okay? Let me know I'm here for you. I love you. You don't have to tell me, but I can tell that you, like you're struggling this week. I'll be praying for you, and, and, and I'm here if you need me. But see, if you're not here, you don't see that. Well, you're assuming somebody else will see that, but you're making it all about you, though. And it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about what Jesus did on the cross when he said, Lord, if this cup can pass, Lord, let it, but not my will, but yours be done. Tonight, what's the heart of the matter for you? Where are you at? Where's your passions? Where's your commitment? Are you in love with church? Are you in love with religion? Are you here because of a family member? Are you here because you don't even know why? Maybe you just started to realize tonight you've been here because, well, that's just what we've always done. I hope you're not here tonight just because you've always done that. I hope you're here tonight because you love Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. You love the Lord your God with everything in you. And you realize the magnitude of suffering with which Christ suffered on your behalf and on my behalf. And I hope that you're running from the foolish, ignorant disputes that arise out of those hearts led by selfish pride of life and that you see money not as a thing with which to clamor for to, to, you know, the one who dies with the most money wins. I hope you see that as an avenue with which you glorify the Lord and literally it is nothing but a means to an end. And I hope you're living every day of your life like it's the last day because one day you'll be right. And I hope you're not in here uh, sharpening your stone on your theological position on whatever, but I hope you're just passionate about the Lord, loving him, serving him, glorifying him, and honoring him. And I hope you're honest about even ones in your life. If you've got a no-count relative who has never desired the things of the Lord, maybe made a profession of faith at five years old, then lived like the devil till they died, and somebody wants you to stand up and give an account for them at their funeral, I hope you'd go, listen, I can stand up and I can share about the kingdom of heaven, but listen, I'm not getting up and putting my stamp of approval on someone who showed no spiritual fruit in their life and potentially doing dangerous harm to these young children in the family and that know those people believing, oh, all I've got to do is act like them and it's going to be okay. Amen? I hope right now that everyone in this building is living your funeral. You know what Brother Jonathan won't do, don't you? I don't care how bad your family gets mad at me. I will not get up and lie for you. I'll tell you what I will do. I'll get up and share the gospel. But I won't say what I've been able to say so many times before. With full comfort right now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I watched this person live Christ. I watched this person have such passion for Christ that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is according to scripture, they're in God's presence rejoicing and receiving the inheritance as a follower of Jesus. 
They loved it. They lived it. They ran that race faithfully till the end. But I ain't going to lie for you. And I'm so thankful, though, that I don't have to because I know that you guys that have been in here, you know how serious it is, and you're living, you're living your obituary right now. Don't make somebody lie for you. Get to the heart of the matter right now, starting tonight. And during the invitation tonight, you can start by doing it. Let's say you go, man, you just realize that something's not right in your heart. You don't even know what it is. You know what the greatest thing you can do? This is the one nobody's going to bother you in. You can get up here and say, God, I don't even know where to start. Father, I might even have been, I might be here at church tonight because my family did it, and I just recognized tonight that I don't ever remember a time in my life where I drew that line in the sand, recognizing I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, recognize that I'm separated from God. And God, I, don't, I never even realized till tonight that I have never personally seen the separation of sin, the chasm that sin created, and that Jesus Christ is the, the gateway with which fellowship is restored to the Father. And God, tonight, I need you to, to reveal the condition of my heart to me. Because you know who, who doesn't know your heart? This man doesn't. You could lie to me all day long, but God knows your heart. And the great thing is, don't lie to anybody. Don't, don't talk it into being. You step back and say, God, reveal yourself. Reveal the condition of my heart. Why do I know God will do that? Because you are praying in accordance with God's will. When do you want to see prayer answered? Pray in accordance with God's will. Lord, I need a new Bentley so I can uh, have a greater ministry in town when I go sit up at Walmart with those people, the no-gooders that just hang out up there. That's not praying in accordance with God's will. That's praying in accordance with your desire for something that has no spiritual need. How about, God, put the lost in front of me. God, save my wife, my husband, my son, my daughter, my mother, my father. God, break their heart for what breaks yours. God, start with breaking my heart for what breaks yours. God, give me joy for what gives you joy. Brothers and sisters, that's where we get to the heart of the matter. Tonight, the question is, where are you at? And what you do with it now, as I've unburdened myself of what God's laid on my heart for this first step, you now bear the responsibility and ultimately the requirement of what you do with it is up to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.